Oh my goodness. Father, I do thank you for this morning. I, I do I thank you for the opportunity to be here and share your word, Lord God. And Father, I just pray that you straighten up my mind and uh, keep me focused, Lord. Let me do a, a good job for you. Give me the words to say in Jesus' name. Amen. It's funny, if you, if you just change a little thing, it just throws me way off. So, so bear with me today. Um, so you and I, right, certainly we're a reflection of our parents, but as, as believers, when we're, when we're adopted into the family of God, we, we should be a reflection of our Father. But what do you reflect, right? When people see you, what do they see? In 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, and I was waiting for the slide to change, do not love this world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, uh, but are from this world. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. So what do people see when they see you? Do you reflect the pride in what you've accomplished? Right? Because we've, we've met people like that. That's, they, they wear their accomplishments on their sleeves. They want you to know what they've done and how good they are at it. Um, are you a reflection of your income? You know, is that what you want to show the world? Sorry, I, I laugh at that one because Colin goes to a school that has a diverse, um, uh, diverse financial ability. And by diverse, I mean they make a lot more money than me. Um, and there's a, there's a car there that I, it's like I, would never, I just wouldn't pick Colin up in my Hyundai accent. Right? I, I just wouldn't do it. I just, it's a, it was a pride issue, and it shouldn't have been. But it's like you see all these cars. Like there's, there's like a Lamborghini that will occasionally pick up a kid. When you went to school, would you like to have been picked up in a Lamborghini? Every moment of my life. That would have been awesome. Um, so I, I always made sure I took the good car and not parked next to the other ones. But anyway, um, and maybe you're a reflection of your hobbies, what you like to do. Right, I, we've got uh, you know we live in Wisconsin, right? There's a lot of hunters here, and and some of those guys you just know they're hunters because that's what they talk about, you know that's who they are, that's what they do. Pretty much every moment of every day. Well, if you're if if you're not a believer, if you're not adopted into the family of God, frankly, then reflecting the world and its desires and and the desires that you receive from that is pretty much all, all you have, right? What else are you going to reflect? But for you and I, we need to be reflecting our Heavenly Father. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 7, it says, The old way, with laws etched in stone, led to death, though it began with such glory that the people of Israel could not bear to look at Moses' face. For his face shone with the glory of God, even though the brightness was already fading away. Shouldn't we expect far greater glory under the new way, now that the Holy Spirit is giving light? In the old way, which brings condemnation, was glory. If, oh, I'm going to try this again. If the old way, which brings condemnation, was glorious, how much more glorious is the new way, which makes us right with God? In fact, that first glory was not glorious at all compared with the overwhelming glory of the new way. So if the old way, which has been replaced, was glorious, how much more glorious is the new, which remains forever? Since this new way gives us such confidence, we can be very bold. We are not like Moses who put a veil over his face so the people of Israel would not see the glory, even though it was destined to fade away. But the people's minds were hardened, and to this day, whenever the Old Covenant is being read, the same veil covers their minds so they cannot understand the truth. 
And this veil can be removed only by believing in Christ. Yes, even today when they read Moses' writings, their hearts are covered with that veil, and they do not understand. But whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. When we first come to the saving knowledge of our Heavenly Father, likely is we don't reflect him much. Right? How can we possibly? We just met him. We may have heard of, of, of who God is. We may have, even from a young age, you know, ha, had gone to church but never accepted the gift of grace, and we never really walked it out. We never really did it. So how would we reflect God? But as time passes, as we read his word, as we adopt his ways of life, we begin to take on his reflection. And the more we change, the more we live God's life, the greater that reflection becomes, and we are able to reflect his glory to a dying world. In Psalm 37, verse 1, it says of David, Do not fret because of evil men or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will do this. He will make your righteousness shine like the dawn, the justice of your cause like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when men succeed in their ways when they carry out their wicked schemes. So as we do that, as we delight ourselves in the Lord, people will see the changes. We will take on the, not the, the literal look of God, but they will certainly see him in us. And people will notice the difference. It does take effort, though, right? It's not an automatic thing. It doesn't just happen. We are not naturally his. We are adopted. We are adopted into the family of God. And it takes time to learn about him, to know. In order to reflect him, first we must reflect on him, right? We have to know him. We have to understand his word. And the only way that we can do that is, is, to, is to read his word, right? We certainly come here for teaching. We go to home groups for, for teaching and support. But it always, always, always starts with the word of God. In Mark eight thirty four, it says, Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world, yet forfeit his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes to his Father's glory with the holy angels. So not only do we read his word, but we have to put it into practice. We must put ourselves down and pick up the ways of our God every day, every way we need to become. We need to become new. We need to become more and more his children, live his life the way he wants it lived, not the way we want it lived. For those of you that don't know, uh, Chad, uh, Chad Zenning is a Marine now as of this week. And... Uh, <laughs> 
I don't want to be a Marine. I mean, I, I'm, I'm proud of Chad. I don't want to do it. There's nothing. I, first of all, their basic training is longer, okay? Which is, I don't want to go into the military at all. I don't like to get dirty. And, I, and every time I see basic, anytime I see anything about basic training, there's nothing clean about it, right? Um, I like camping in a camper with air conditioning. Um, but, but with the Marines, the, the, the basic training is longer. And I don't know why you would want to join up to the group that it's longer. Because nothing in basic training is fun, right? They, I, I, anyway, um, but then they end it with this thing called the Crucible. And it's 54 hours long. And you get, you get two and a half meals and four hours of sleep over a 54-hour period of time. And you walk for and then you have to do these team activities and overcome these obstacles. But if you don't, if you don't get past this, this test, you, you don't become a Marine. So you go through all this stuff and for 54 hours and blah, blah, blah. And finally you go on this nine-mile march to a replica of the, of the Marine Memorial. And they, they say a prayer and you get your Marine insignia. And the, your drill instructor stops calling you recruit and starts calling you Marine. I don't want to do that. There are a lot of people in this world that accomplish amazing things because they work really hard at it and they desire to do it. There's just some things I don't want to do. I'm fine going the rest of my life, nobody calling me Marine. But what you and I have with our God, people can kind of see the same way that I see the Marines, right? As we reflect God, as we live out our lives, you and I go through stuff, right? We go through troubles. And the only way that legitimately we can walk through these things or go through these things is with God, right? You, you've heard the saying that God never gives you more than you can handle. It's not true. Because if you could handle it, then you wouldn't need God, right? I, I think a better way of thinking that is, you, you know, there's nothing that God will give you that he won't carry you through, <laughs> Right, And he'll get you there, and he'll get you to the end. But the way you and I frame that, and the way you and I walk that out, the way you and I experience it, that really changes us. right? Like the crucible changes a recruit into a Marine. What we do and how we walk this out really changes us to the true reflection of who God is. It's not in the easy times that changes us. It's the tough times. right? Um, and, and how we do this, and what we do, and how we walk it out, really matters not only for our own lives, but for the lives that we touch. Because the more we reflect God, the more people see God in us. And that's important. Not just for, not just for people who do not yet know God, but also for those of us that do. Right? That's why we get together. That's why we, we interact. That's why we live our lives together as a, as a family, as a unit, as a community. Because we all experience God. We all go through different things, and we're here to help each other out and help one another walk through. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, it says, Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you, and now that I am away, it is even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, 
shining like bright lights in the world, full of crooked and perverse people. Hold firmly to the word of life, then. On the day of Christ's return, I will be proud that I did not run the race in vain and that my work was not useless. But I will rejoice even if I lose my life, pouring it out like a liquid offering to God, just like your faithful service is an offering to God. And I want all of you to share that joy. Yes, you should rejoice, and I will share your joy. So, so, sorry, I just want to go back. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. You don't even have to do that on your own strength. If you're living, if you're living God's life, if you're, if you're living the way he wants you to live, he continues to strengthen you to do that. What a great God we have. By living his life, you shine. You stand out. You alert the world like a lighthouse or, or landing lights that there is more to this life. That there's more to it than, than what you do and your stuff and your accomplishments. They see the power of God in your life to do his will, to live righteously, to walk his walk. How different is that than the people who don't know God? You have a strength and power that doesn't come from within. It comes from without, from the creator of the universe. You have the ability to persevere where other people can't. In Romans 10, verse 8, it says, in fact, it's, in fact it says, the message is very close to hand. It is on your lips and in your heart. And that message is the very message about faith that we preach. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. All the scriptures tell us anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Jew and Gentile are the same in that respect. They, even, they, have, they have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scripture says, How beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. But not everyone welcomes the good news, for Isaiah the prophet said, Lord, who has believed our message? So faith comes from hearing, that is hearing the good news about Christ. By living and being, you provoke those whom he has called to be his children. And certainly not everybody that you meet wants that. Not everybody that you meet is going to accept that gift of salvation. But you will provoke those whom God has already called. And maybe they haven't made the decision yet. Maybe they haven't decided that this is where they're going to go. They're going to want what you have. They're going to see your faith in action, and they're going to want to be that. Not you. They don't want to be you. I haven't met a person in the world that wants to be me. And if you do want to be me, talk to me. I'll, tell you, I'll give you all sorts of reasons why you don't. But they're going to want to be what you reflect. They're, they're going to want to have what they see in you. You show them the way into peace, not just for the afterlife, but for the during life. Some of you are enduring a lot of things right now. Things I would not wish on anyone, and yet you're enduring. 
your love for God is still there. You are walking it through. You are, you are such a, an amazing reflection of God because of what you're doing and how you're living and how you're walking it out. You don't shelve your Christianity when the tough times come. That's when it shines. That's when you, you make sure it shines. That's just how you're living, and it's amazing. It's a witness to me. It's a witness to the people that you meet. And you provoke people to jealousy. Um, I owe a lot of things to Alex Bartoshevitz, but <laughs> the one that always sticks out to me is the difference between envy and jealousy. Envy is wanting something that someone else, is, someone else has. Jealousy is afraid of losing something you have. Did I get that right? Okay. So you're envious of your friend's new boat. You're jealous in a relationship. Okay? Two different things. You don't want to lose a relationship. Or you, you find that somebody else has a relationship that you want, and you're jealous of that, right? It's not envy. That's different. When people see the relationship that you have with God, they will be jealous for that relationship. A lot of people see Christianity as a, as a way to make people good. Uh, there's, a, there's an actor who, who is an atheist, and I was watching an interview with him, and he said, I don't need church. I'm already a good person. And he was lifting, listing off the stuff that, he, that makes him a good person. And he's right. He is a good person. He is absolutely good. He's, he's a good person. But that's not what our relationship with God is all about. It's not to make us good. It's about relationship. It's about knowing. It's about experiencing the creator of the universe and having a, a tight, close relationship and living his life. It's not about making us good. No one is good except God. You can do all the good things you want. It's great. It makes for a, a much better place to live and a, a nice society. But ultimately, what we do isn't about being good. It's about being godly. It's about knowing him. It's about experiencing him, living his life here, and then living with him in his life forever. And the world doesn't see it. The world sees us as, as, as you know, some churches, some denominations, you've got you to be good in order for. Scripture says, love God, then do, right? You don't, you don't do to earn God's love. You learn about God's love, you accept God's love, and therefore we live. That's what it's about. And in the end, the only way no matter how well you reflect your creator, faith comes by hearing the word of God. You have got to talk about it. It's great that you're living your life, and it's great that you are living a close personal relationship with your Savior, because that's what we're supposed to do, and there's a purpose to that, right? The glory of God is reflected in our lives and is reflected out. But unless you talk about it, and unless people know, there's no way for them to be introduced to their Heavenly Father. You have to talk about it. You have to take that final step. You have to, you have to tell people, this is, this is the reason why I have this joy. This is the reason why I, I live my life this way. Let me tell you how great God is. It's not me that you're seeing. 
It's someone else. Let me tell you about them. You can't just leave it at the reflection. You have got to take that final step because there are people out there that want what you have but don't understand and won't understand until you talk about it. That's our job. That's what we get to do. It's an opportunity. It's a, it's a blessing. It's not a, it's not a curse. It's not a weight on our shoulders. When you get something new or shiny or something great happens to you, you love talking about it, right? Get the new car. You want to talk about your new car. Our relationship with Christ is always new. It's always exciting. It's always different. How could you possibly not talk about it? And that's what we do, and that's what, we're, that's what we are to do. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 7. The old way with laws etched in stone led to death, though it began with such glory that the people of Israel could not bear to look at Moses' face. For his face shone with the glory of God, even though the brightness was already fading away. Shouldn't we expect far greater glory under the new way now that the Holy Spirit is giving life? In the old way, which brings condemnation, was glorious... How much more glorious is the new way which makes us right with God? In fact, that first glory was not glorious at all compared with the overwhelming glory of the new way. So if the old way, which has been replaced, was glorious, how much more glorious is the new which remains forever? Since this new way gives us such confidence, we can be very bold. We're not like Moses who put a veil over his face so the people of Israel would not see the glory even though it was destined to fade away. But the people's minds were hardened, and to this day, whenever the Old Covenant is being read, the same veil covers their minds so they cannot understand the truth. And this veil can be removed only by believing in Christ. Yes, even today when they read Moses' writings, their hearts are covered with that veil, and they do not understand. But whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. You are the reflection of God's glorious image. Don't cover it up. Go out there and reflect. Be the women and men of God that you've been called to be. Live the life. Read his word. Walk it out. Let people see who God is through you, through the reflection that God has given you and the words that he gives you to speak. Let's pray. Father, as always, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for the love. I thank you for the protection, the provision. But Lord, I, I really, I thank you for my life. I thank you for, for everything, Lord, the good, the bad. And I thank you for using that to, to, to correct me, to guide me, to make me a better son to you. And Father, help all of us to not hide it. Help all of us to, to lift that veil over our lives, over our countenances, Lord, so people can see you in us. And help us, Lord. Oh, Father, your word teaches us that you will give us the words to speak. And Lord, I pray that you give us the confidence to, to know that, to own that, to live that, to walk that out. Lord, there are so many people that you love, that you desire to, to, to adopt into your family, Lord. 
And Father, help us to be the agents of that as you've asked us to be. Again, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.